0: Ho ho ho, hello folks. Welcome, once again, to the cosy fireside of the Great Library of Dreams. Well then, dear friends, come in, get yourselves nice and warm. There's drinks and mince pies are plenty, and I have another festive-themed ghost story for you tonight. It comes from the pen of Mr Matt Cowan, who curates the excellent Horror Delve website and is no slouch himself when it comes to writing tales of terror. Tonight's story first appeared in 2013 in a little anthology of festive horrors called O Little Town of Deathlehem*, a collection of new festive frights published by the Grinning Skull Press and with all proceeds going to charity. Indeed, it is still available, And it has several companion volumes, too. So, if you fancy some tales of terror, and also chucking some money to deserving causes at the same time, do investigate the Deathlyhem anthology series. Well then, dear friends, come, take your places by the fire. It is a very cold night. It's snowing heavily outside, and it's the perfect night for this particular Yuletide Tale of Terror. Which in more ways than one summons up the spirits of the season. Christmas Wine by Matt Cowan Cindy watched plump snowflakes drift down to accumulate on her grandmother's lawn from the frost-hazed front window. A musty pine smell from the Christmas tree hung heavy in the air as she stared at the ornamental congregation across the street. A smiling Santa on his sleigh urged reindeers forward surrounded by a rock garden full of gnomish statuettes wearing conical hats. Cindy assumed they were meant to serve as stand-ins for Santa's elves, but found their crafty expressions unsettling. In the far corner of the yard stood what Cindy assumed must be a frail snowman, far too thin to withstand the day's strong winds. A station wagon moved into view, blocking the scene as it pulled into the driveway. Uncle Winston's here, Cindy yelled on her way to the door. Uncle Winston was a large grey-bearded man. Cindy loved to listen to him talk, particularly late Christmas Eve nights, when she was supposed to be asleep. Instead, she'd sneak down to the door and listen as he told the grown-ups ghost stories. Cindy looked forward to them almost as much as opening packages on Christmas morning. Icy wind swept into the room, "'as Grandma opened the door for Uncle Winston, "'who carried a large bag over his shoulder. "'You've brought the elements with you,' Grandma laughed. "'If that's the worst that follows me this year, "'it'll be a jolly holiday indeed,' he said, "'dropping the bag by the tree, "'giving Cindy a wink as he did so. "'How's my favourite niece?' "'Cindy beamed back at him. "'Great, now that you're here, "'I was worried you weren't coming.' Uncle Winston's broad smile faltered. Yes, I was a bit delayed this year. Couldn't be avoided, he said, shifting his eyes to the window. What say you join me for some eggnog? As Uncle Winston moved inside, Cindy caught sight of the house across the street again. The slender snowman she glimpsed earlier was gone. Later that evening, Uncle Winston entered the packed front room dressed as Santa Claus. Cindy's younger cousins stared at him in wide-eyed amazement as he bellowed, Ho, 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 in his deep voice. She'd learned the truth about Santa two years earlier, but didn't mind pretending for the others, especially since it made her feel she was helping sell his performance. He placed his bag in the centre of the room and began his speech. "'Hello and Merry Christmas, my fine friends,' "'I hold in my hand a bag of gifts for some special boys and girls here tonight.' "'The children smiled with unconcealed joy. "'However, I can only give them to those who have been good,' he continued, "'pausing to regard each of them. "'So if you've been bad, please raise your hand.' "'Several of the kids looked worried, but no hands rose. "'Uncle Winston rubbed his chin. "'All been good, huh?' Well, if any of you know of one here who hasn't been good, please point them out now. Several of the giggling children motioned toward each other. Cindy remembered her cousin Greg punching her out every year because she wouldn't play guns with him. The recollection stopped when she noticed Uncle Winston's suddenly pale appearance. He was facing the Christmas tree but seemed to be focused on something outside. Cindy followed his gaze. A mini vortex of snow wavered upright for a moment before being swept away. Something wrong, Santa? One of the adults asked. Cindy turned to her uncle again. No. No, of course not. Let's get these presents delivered, shall we? He said unsteadily. Cindy looked out of the window again but saw nothing beside the ugly gnome statues across the street, illuminated by the glowing Santa. That night Cindy lay awake an hour before hearing the adults return to the front room. She moved silently to the door, opening it just enough to listen as Uncle Winston spoke. "'Have any of you heard the legend that claims water, stored in stone jugs, turns to wine?' between the hour of eleven and midnight on Christmas Eve. A few jokes were cracked, but none had heard of it. Well, you may remember I wasn't here last year, because I was visiting my friend Arthur Woolridge in Minnesota. He was in poor health, and I wanted to see him while I still could. He told me of the legend, and, as he had some stone jugs, "'we decided to put it to the test.' "'Too cheap to buy your own wine, Winston,' Cindy's father quipped. "'Not at all. It was an experiment. "'Anyway, we filled two quart-sized stone jugs with tap water, "'then sat before the fireplace, "'regaling each other with tales from our adventuresome youth, "'until the clock chimed eleven. "'Arthur retrieved one of the jugs, dipped his finger in and tasted it. By George, it happened. It's happened, he said. It's the best I've ever tasted. I immediately tried my own jug, and he was correct. Never will you find a more exquisite wine. You should have saved some for the rest of us, Cindy's father laughed. Uncle Winston's voice "'took on a sombre tone when he replied. "'Yes, we had the same idea, "'which is what started the whole mess. "'We'd already consumed a good bit of the stuff "'and wanted to save the rest, "'but feared it might revert back to water. "'We thought perhaps we could keep it wine by freezing it. "'So we stored it in his deep freeze "'and retired for the evening. "'Next morning, sure enough.' "'we found the jugs contained frozen wine. "'We decided to keep it that way until the following Christmas Eve. "'And, if he was well enough, we would meet again to defrost and drink it "'before setting up to make more. "'When I departed a few days later, he sent me off with a jug. "'Our contact was sporadic throughout the year, "'but he seemed to make an astounding recovery from his ill health, "'so we plan to meet again at the same time this year.' "'Since you're here, I'm guessing something went wrong,' Cindy's father noted. "'Unfortunately it did. "'I got a call from him two weeks ago. "'He told me his condition had worsened, "'and his doctor didn't believe he would survive the month. "'I expressed my dismay and... That's when he told me his plan. He believed the Christmas wine had healing properties because his earlier miraculous recovery occurred after drinking it. He said he was going to finish the remainder of his before our scheduled meeting in hopes it would extend his life enough to gain a larger supply. I told him I understood, and I would send him mine if he thought it would help. But he declined not trusting it to survive the shipping process. I told him I would bring it on my visit. He contacted me last week to tell me that his wine had turned bitter and his health had become suddenly worse. He warned me to dispose of mine, saying he was convinced the Christmas wine was not meant to be consumed after its allotted hour. What became of yours? "'Cindy's grandmother asked. "'Uncle Winston sighed. "'I took his advice and poured it out. "'I was cautious about it, "'since I thought it may have turned toxic. "'I didn't want to throw it out with the garbage "'or pour it down a drain. "'Instead I defrosted it "'and took it to the vacant wooden shed across the street. "'It had been rotting there unused for the past fifty years.' so I felt no harm would be done. I poured it onto the snowy ground behind the shed. The acidic stench it gave off caused my eyes to burn. Then I tossed the jug beside the shed and returned home. Cindy's knees ached from kneeling on the hardwood floor, but she wasn't about to allow creaking floorboards to give her away as she focused in on Uncle Winston's words. The next morning I learned Arthur had passed. I attended his funeral two days ago. To my surprise, it was a closed casket. When I asked why, I was told the disease had metastasized, covering his body in hideous boils. His doctors had no explanation for it. Returning home, I noticed someone lurking about behind the empty shack across from my house keeping to the shadows. I couldn't make out much beside an emaciated form. I assumed it must be one of the teenagers from down the street sneaking a smoke away from his parents. That night I was awakened near midnight by a furious rapping at my front door. I ignored it and went back to sleep. The next morning when I went to retrieve my paper, I found the empty stone jug. "'smashed to pieces on my porch. "'No one could have known it was mine. "'I thought of the straggly fellow from the previous day "'and felt an unreasonable fear that he, "'whoever he was, had been the one knocking.' "'A spray of ice tapped against Cindy's window. "'When she turned to look, she thought she saw "'hollow-eyed, white face pressed against the glass until a gust of wind struck the pane, disintegrating it into disjointed bits of snow which trailed off into the night. She told herself it was nothing more than a trick of poor lighting and bad weather, but it still took her a moment to regain her composure. "'I had no choice,' Uncle Winston was saying when she returned to listening. "'I went across the street to the spot I'd seen the figure,' "'A large patch of snow had melted away where I'd poured out the wine. "'Are you trying to say some ghost rose up to return your jug?' "'Cindy's father asked mirthfully. "'Perhaps the old property owner's ghost didn't take kindly to your littering on his property.' "'Some of the grown-ups chuckled, but Uncle Winston's voice remained serious. "'All I know is Arthur and I tried to cheat something we didn't understand.' WE ASSUMED THERE WOULD BE NO CONSEQUENCES. I FEAR WE WERE WRONG. SOMETHING HAS FOLLOWED ME SINCE THAT EVENING I POURED OUT THE WINE. THE WHOLE TRIP HERE I'VE CAUGHT GLIMPSES OF IT, HOVERING AT THE PERIPHERY, JUST ENOUGH TO LET ME KNOW IT'S THERE, THAT IT'S COMING. NO ONE SAID ANYTHING. THEN SOMEONE BEGAN TO CLAP. "'And the others joined in. "'Another excellent story, Winston,' Cindy's father said. "'You never fail to entertain us.' "'Uncle Winston cleared his throat. "'Yes, of course. I hope you all enjoyed it. "'Now I believe I'll retire for the night. "'The journey here was more stressful than expected. "'She heard most of her relatives saying goodbye.' and rousing their sleeping children to return home, until only her parents, her grandmother, and Uncle Winston remained in the house with her. Cindy returned to bed, trying not to think about the thin snowman she'd seen across the street when Uncle Winston first arrived. Cindy still couldn't sleep when the grandfather clock chimed midnight. The tapping at her window had returned, only to move on to the next room. She held her breath, listening to it systematically circle the house, rattling the front door, then shaking the large picture window. Cindy reminded herself that ghosts weren't real, and if they were, they had no body with which to hurt her. She counted the seconds, wondered how long it would take for the tapping to loop back around to her room. The thought spurred her from bed. She followed the festive glow of lights down the long hall to the front room. The tree shimmered, casting its array of fairy lights upon darkened walls. Through the picture window, snow continued to add to already impressive mounds. Across the street, the gnomes were buried waist-deep, their smiles now resembling nervous fear. The tapping had stopped. The house stilled. Maybe whatever it was had given up. Feeling more at ease, she knelt before the tree to look over the presents. She was lifting one with her name on it when she noticed something on the adjacent dining room floor. It glistened, reflecting the light of the tree topper. Returning the present, Cindy moved slowly toward the glimmer. Small pools of water were spaced out on the linoleum. She let out a sigh and started back when more caught her eye. Several of the splotches trailed through the kitchen, as though snow had been tracked in from outside. A creak sounded behind her, followed by a blast of cold air that raised goosebumps on her arms. The back door swayed open, pushed by a frigid winter wind. He clamped it shut and locked it before returning to follow the water spots through the archway into the TV room. Multicoloured lights draped across the ceiling gave the room a prismatic glow. A thick sheen of frost coated the windows from inside. Something shifted beside the recliner. Cindy held her breath and took a tentative step forward. Uncle Winston lay in a crumpled heap on the floor, eyes bulging, tongue flopped onto his beard. A thin white shape crouched above him. It turned a crumbling head of packed snow toward her. Its black pool eyes contrasted against the crystallizing white of its gaunt cheeks. Cindy screamed and ran until her parents and grandmother caught her in the hall. She tried to tell them about Uncle Winston, but the words wouldn't form. Instead, she led them to the TV room. Her father dropped to his knees to feel for Uncle Winston's pulse, while Cindy's mother grabbed the phone off the wall to call 911. "'It's ice-cold,' her father whispered. "'Why is there so much snow around him?' her grandma asked. From the back door in the kitchen, Cindy's mother screamed. They ran to her side, Footprints dotted the snow from the house to the pair of long spindly legs attached to a vague amorphous white shape moving across the backyard toward the tree line. Cindy's father took off after it. Police are on their way, Her mother called out after them as the clock chimed one. At the same time a wave of snow and ice swept across the yard making it difficult to see. Her father appeared to have caught up to the intruder when it promptly collapsed to the snow beneath them. A minute later, Cindy's shivering father returned to the house alone. "'What happened?' her mother asked breathlessly. He shook his head. "'I don't know. I reached out to grab him when he fell, and he just disappeared. Don't understand how he got away.' Thirty years later, Cindy stood beside her father's hospital bed and touched his arm. And, uh," he said, groggy from sleep. No, it's Cindy. Oh, sorry, dear. Where's your mother? Cindy paused before answering. It's just us these days, Daddy. He looked, confused a moment. What time is it? Eleven o'clock, she said, moving from the bed. In an hour, it'll be Christmas. The father shifted in his bed with a groan. Afraid I'm not up to celebrating this year. Cindy returned to his side with a styrofoam cup. We'll worry about that later. Right now, you need to drink this. He leaned forward, taking the bendy straw beneath chapped lips, then smiled at her. What is that? It's going to make you better. I guess I'd better have some more then, he said with a weak chuckle. Cindy smiled. You should drink as much as you can before midnight. With another sip, a little colour returned to his cheeks. Why before midnight? Cindy took the cup and refilled it from the jug she'd brought with her. Holding the straw to him again, she watched the snow falling outside his window. Because it isn't safe. This podcast was produced by Mr. Jim Moon with music from the Eldritch Light Orchestra. If you enjoyed this show, please consider leaving us a review or a rating so other people can find it. If you really like the show, consider buying us a coffee at coffee.com or becoming a Patreon at patreon.com slash hypnagoria where subscribers can get exclusive new shows every month and access the patreon only podcasting vault for more nonsense call into our site hypnagoria.com where you can find all manner of essays and articles on the weird and the wonderful plus my other podcasts plus links to youtube and all the usual social media gubbins This has been a Great Library of Dreams production.